ride with me in my foul life. Podcast world, what's up? We're back at you. Another episode of the Foul Life Podcast presented and brought to you by our friends at Gerber Gear. Stay sharp, America. Use everything you see at GerberGear.com, whether you're building a blind, whether you're cutting meat off the bone. I don't care if it's an elk, a deer, a duck, a goose, a pheasant. They have the tool that you're going to need to be a provider. That's why we lean on provider gear by Gerber every single day. They stay sharp. They keep an edge. And we truly entrust in them on a daily basis, whether we're on the road or at home in our kitchen, our backyards. Thank you, Gerber Gear, for supporting the lifestyle and the culture of the foul life and the provider Today's episode I'm excited about because we get to mix a little bit of some of my favorite things, athletics, specifically MMA and fighting, goose hunting, specifically specks and snows in California rice country with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Rock Merlot. I got my brother Clay Belding and two of my good friends from the fight world, Chad Money Mendez and Dan Hendo, the All-American Henderson. Thank you all for being here. What's up, fellas? What's, What's up? up? What's up? What's up, guys? <laughs> Hendo, I got to start with you real quick. We were just sitting down on the couch, and, and Mendez and Clay, you can fill in on this. We're watching some highlight reels, and I know that Hendo's is like even the guy said it right. Mendez, they they said Hendo's one of the most humble fighters of all time, and you're the same way. Um, when you see that Henderson, when you sit there and watch that, has it happened before where? You get stuck in a room with a bunch of like fan, you know, fans just fanboying out over you. Do you. Does it get old or do you like to relish and, and relive those moments? I mean, we watched your top five knockouts. We watched Bisbing one and two. We saw Vanderlei Silva. We saw unbelievable fights and your career is so, so it's just a legacy, right? Does it bother you to, to sit in a room like that or how do you feel? Uh, no, honestly, it never happens. So i I mean, you got you were the fanboy today. <laughs> but, but I, it, it was good to see those. I mean, I hadn't seen some of those fights in probably fifteen years, and it was kind of cool. cool to go back down memory lane. I guess every once in a while, it'd be, it's it's always good to make sure you remember things. <laughs> Mendez, you're fifteen years younger than Hendo. He is literally a pioneer. Even though he's hey, 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 he, hey, even hey. though he's still young at heart. I mean, he's. He's a pioneer of the game. He's a trailblazer. I mean, this dude has knocked out Fedor. He has knocked out the Axe Murder. He's been in Pride. He's been in Strike Force. He's UFC. When you're around him, I know you're friends, but as he called me a fanboy, my brother Clay a fanboy. Do you fanboy out when you when you're around somebody like Kendo because you respect his career so much? Or how do how do you how do you think of a guy like Kendo Mendez? I taught Hendo everything he knows. <laughs> In the future. No, nah, man, it's, nah, it's, it's really cool. I mean, you know, me and Dan have been buddies for a few years now. And, I mean, obviously, when I was still in the college wrestling game and looking up to all these guys, knowing that I was going to get into the sport, Dan was definitely one of the guys I followed a lot. I mean, his explosiveness, his speed, and obviously because he was a top-level wrestler was something that always drew me to him. So he was definitely fun to watch. Um, throughout his entire career and, and, you know, even my career jumping into the UFC game. So, um, no, I, I, I enjoy being around Dan. Dan comes and does a lot of our fins and feathers trips with us. And, um, it's fun to get out and do some hunting and fishing with Dan all the time. So do, do uh, you cool. study, do you study as a up and coming wrestler guys like him as far as I know you study fight film yeah. and, and see what your opponent's going to do, but do you look at i mean he's like a top wrestler growing oh, yeah. up right do you go and look at his film and say who you know that 
I do that move a little different or how did he do that move or anything like that? Or do you just go with your coaches at, at the time? No, what I think what was so cool about Dan was I think our styles were, there's a lot of similarities with our style, obviously kind of the upper body type wrestlers. I mean, he was a badass Gre Greco wrestler, um, just mean in the clinch, but he throws those heavy bombs, you know, and coming out of college, I remember watching him and I'm like, God, I just want to, I want to get that overhand down like Dan has. Like, <laughs> I want to knock people out like that, you know? And it took me a while in the, in the beginning of my career to kind of figure that out. You know, I relied solely on my wrestling, which I think is different than Dan because you go back and see some of his first fights and he, he was coming out swinging from the start, just dropping folds with those. Big, yeah, but I wasn't landing punches that often. It took me a while to get my timing right and figure out what works, what doesn't work. But, I mean, I used my wrestling a lot at the, at the first two, three years for sure. Did um, you did you come out swinging thinking? I didn't know anything about I'm, I had never sparred until after I fought in the UFC. I never even sparred. <laughs> so well, I, mean, I was thinking awesome. like – little reverse psychology that you know your opponent thinks you're going to come in wrestling and take down well, and here you always, are i want to start throwing i would i definitely use that to my advantage yeah. a couple times early on without people knowing anything about me other than i was a wrestler mm -hmm. i would fake a shot and and throw my overhand and night, night. knocked a lot of good guys <laughs> down with that well there's but like, i didn't know how to finish anybody and that was the only punch i knew how to do at the beginning so. if you look at like really like we we talked about Matt Hughes, who's a, a a friend of all of ours, and Matt was known as a wrestler, and he defended the title a bunch. But Matt was never a handsy guy. He didn't have good stand up as far as he could shoot in and pick you up and 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 throw you. And he was known for carrying you across the octagon and slam you. But he was never the guy that could stand there and put together a combination like you guys can. Then you go to somebody like GSP, martial arts, but he had a wrestling background. But he didn't. He still didn't have that H bomb, and he didn't have the Chad Mendez quickness of the hands. My point in saying all that is that you guys kind of took the best of both worlds. Because in my opinion, there's nothing sweeter of a science than boxing. To watch Tyson or Floyd Mayweather, or Joe Lewis or whoever, I love seeing a good boxer throw hands. But to mix it with wrestling, which is the oldest Olympic sport of all time. The foundation of MMA is wrestling. If you're not a wrestler, it's going to be tough mm -hmm. to be successful in MMA, in my opinion. You guys had it whipped, right? You guys could fake the high crotch, fake the double leg, fake the single leg or the ankle pick, and then come over the top with the H-bond or put that combination together. It's unstoppable. That's why I think that you guys were able to, to get so many guys scared of the wrestling and then lay them out with the hands is that fair to say no, i i agree and, and i well, think it's guys like you too that made it difficult for me in the beginning of my career to are find you pointing at hendo or me hendo <laughs> oh i thought you're pointing at me <laughs> you got guys like that come off that high level wrestling like that that come into a sport and just demolish people like he was doing they like knew they had to. dude i had so many fights in the beginning of my career where they would we would try to keep stuff offline because they would do some research oh he wrestled yeah. i'm out I even had guys, I would not show up to weigh-ins. I cut the entire weight, go to the fight, and I'm just sitting there waiting on weight, and they just never showed up. Well, and it's because of guys like Dan. I blame you, Dan. Dan. Damn, Dan. <laughs> Damn it, Dan. Damn it, Dan. <laughs> but no, it's, you know, it's, it's, it was tough. It was really tough in the beginning. Maybe I don't know if you guys had. looking. Yeah, maybe. It was these beautiful ears, you know. Do you but guys ever, you, do wrestlers ever compare ears? Midget. 
Do you guys ever compare ears? Uh, his his wins. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to ask a question about cauliflower ears, though. Yeah. Looking at yourselves in the mirror today, <laughs> oh, at, at, at your age now, do you wish you would have wore headgear every fight? No. Do you wish you didn't have cauliflower ears, or no. is it a, is it kind of that mark of your career? Hell Badge yeah. of honor. I it's a trophy. So. Yeah, it is a trophy. Yeah. Because I wish I had them. Because I, I got the most I can flimsy. Give them to you. Yeah, I got the worst Dan ears. Can take care of that. We tonight. can handle that tonight. <laughs> With what part of your body? <laughs> Everybody's matter. heard of the Canadian story. I already tried. I already tried one part of my body that didn't work. Yeah, for you, so I'll try a different. We're gonna have to use something a little harder. So when sorry, I wasn't so excited then. Hendo, when you, I, I want to switch gears uh, a little bit because we we have an audience on this podcast of the Foul Life that's really geared towards what it says waterfowl okay so like um there's a big part of our friendship that comes from hunting i would not know mendez if it wasn't for a mallard duck because a mallard duck brought me to louisville to the nra convention one year and i got to meet him through some mutual friends scotty lego the they were on weatherby's team together and then jordan harbinson one of the founders of mountain ops hendo i would not meet because of my other love of baseball. I met Hendo through Ryan Klesko, who I oh, watched Klesko. a lefty swinger, right-handed thrower, first baseman, Atlanta Braves, San Diego Padres, love Klesko to death. Um, one of the most humble human beings. I love that dude. But I, uh, but we wouldn't have met if it wasn't for hunting. Yeah, SHOT Show. So SHOT but I'm sh talking about even Klesko. I met him because of hunting. You met Klesko oh, because of hunting. That's cool. Of so so it all comes back to this yep. lifestyle of the of being a hunter. Um I know that I'm jumping ahead a little bit, Hendo, but I wanted to ask you this because um, I've been in Canada with you. I've been in Oklahoma with you. I've been all over at different shows with you, whether it was Nashville or whether it was Vegas or San Diego and Temecula at your own places. But there was that that point that we pulled onto that levee that night in California, and we were scouting the night before our goose hunt. And we had just experienced some days with a great man, Larry Gurry, at Closed Zone Farms, but it was weird. It was just a different time of the year. The ducks weren't cooperating. And then all of a sudden, we had this opportunity for this big goose grind. When you get that opportunity, Hendo, specifically you, Hendo, and we pulled up on that levee the night before the hunt, do you get excited when you see that stuff? Because you're so like nonchalant. Yeah. Like you didn't even show it in your fights. When you're going into your biggest fights, you're just like, yeah, well, you know, whatever. You just grin a little bit. Does does this lifestyle of I'm seeing those I'm going to blame it all on the Botox. <laughs> does, does the lifestyle of, of, of being up... Uh, you know, on those binoculars, those spawn scopes, and seeing the power of those birds get you excited? Oh, for absolutely. I mean, I was I was totally excited. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't <laughs> feel, feel it. That, I'm not yeah. saying I didn't. I'm just I just can't no, recall that night. I was excited. Night. I mean, I was a lot more excited that then than it would be like the night before a fight or whatever. I mean, or right before a fight. Maybe not right after a good fight. I mean, that was a, a different feeling. But I was totally excited the night before watching all those birds get up off that field and fly away mm -hmm. knowing that they're going to come back so that awesome. next day i was like holy shit shit there's <laughs> a lot of birds I'm, I'm so excited for the morning and and and, and it was kind of weird the next morning i was like expecting like this huge flock but they were coming in like a bunch of small groups which is better I think. yeah no fun. it, it yeah. turned it out i mean we just kept our numbers going all day long but i mean it was it was a fun hunt, and 
Yeah, I mean, sorry, my excitement didn't show. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that it didn't. It's just that you always you were so. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty even keel because he's the exact back. like like Mendez gets excited. Mendez is that guy that comes out punching his gloves. He comes out. He he's not a shit talker, but you know that Chad Chad's animated. But so Mendez, when when you li- are part of that lifestyle of seeing those geese, and I'm just talking the anticipation of the hunt. You're you love turkey hunting. Love Your fins and feathers is known for you catching tuna, salmon, some stripers, and killing some big game. But it's not really known for waterfowl. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that you waterfowl hunt. That do you love it? And what do you love about it? Is that a, a, a good depiction of of what it takes to get you fired up of seeing that many geese in a field? Oh man, I was ecstatic. I mean, I love all hunting. I mean, there's obviously different styles and different things that I I put more time into. I guess I can say. Um, but I love waterfowl hunting, like getting, I mean, how often do you get to go to a, a field like that the <laughs> night before and see that many geese in one spot? Like if that doesn't get you excited, something's wrong with you. But, uh, no, man, we, we got out there that next morning and having at one point I actually put my gun down cause we'd already had like, I don't even know how many groups come in and I had to get my phone out and just be like, no one's going to believe this. <laughs> so I had to sit there and film and it started in front of me and went, all the way back as far as my eye could see and they were just thousands of them you know and mm-hmm. i mean how often does someone get to see that i even said that day like that might be the one you like, said that it, might you be said the best a lot. <laughs> the, the best goose hunt i'm ever gonna go on so no i i was for sure excited i was you know pumped to get out there and you know obviously we see him that night before it's hunting maybe something yeah. spooks him off the well, water you know something could happen but i still went to bed that night just Excited as hell. I think Chad Belding kind of has definitely ruined me to go yeah. <laughs> do anything else uh, with anyone else because the, the first hunt was in Oklahoma that I went on yet on with you and and it was that was Agreed. we limited out almost every more every morning or every day for ducks and geese. I think yeah we did three oh. three days in a row four days in a row. Thanks for the invite. And he, he not just limited out, but I remember editing the footage. It's no, it was hundreds of mallards sitting on you. It was once. Uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. I and I that. and I was that was my very first waterfowl hunt ever, and and that was my first experience. And and oh, this is easy. Yeah. <laughs> my, well, <laughs> what do you guys? Is this, is this how it is every every time? Yeah. You know. But no, I, I knew that I had it lucky, and and but but I, I definitely have been spoiled in that way like it's going to be hard to top those things uh, you know you should have got me on some shitty hunts first <laughs> but but here know. is there is there a difference that you can recall hendo of in oklahoma you can kill f- five canadas and then you're done and then you can kill f- five ma- five or six mallards probably six and you're done in california on that specific goose hunt mendez you can touch yeah. on this and clay you can touch on this too is that you know, you get 20, 25 snows per man and you get 10. This is the ki- the kicker right here. 10, like Arkansas has got a lot of specs. Louisiana's got a lot of specs. Texas has a lot of specs. Those birds max, you can kill three to four. I think Texas maybe four. Wow. Arkansas three, Louisiana's two or three. Yeah. California kill 10. 10 per man per day. And on top of that, they're the best eating waterfowl mm-hmm. there is. Some people say the Sandhill Crane, I'm going with the rice-fed speck in California. That's what was cool about that hunt is that 
our, the specs are coming in and then all of a sudden right. 100 snows are on yeah. top of you and how i don't even know how many boxes of shells we shot but y'all shot a lot too, right probably too many <laughs> probably too <laughs> many do you do you, do you you understand what i'm saying i only like, shot one box because i hit 20. <laughs> 20. <laughs> i i look back at the picture that we took that day of that hunt and when i listened to hendo talk about being spoiled you think about how special those days are because sure. the two days before that, we had a blast. Right. Mr. Larry worked his oh, butt yeah. off oh, for us. sure. That's a one of the day best habits a good day doing yeah. something else. You know what I'm saying? It's all, yeah. you're fishing, you're hunting, you're barbecuing. Some guys like golf. Some guys like mm -hmm. Tom and Tyson. These guys love being in the snow on the mountain. I'm not against any of it. But there's something about hunting that's just like, dang it, man. That yeah. was freaking that's powerful. It is. You get powerful see that for sunrise. sure. I mean, I remember that first morning even duck hunting, and I'm just like, there's ducks everywhere. I can see them everywhere. And, you know, and you, that, that first light starts shining through. You got that cold, crisp air. I mean, just how often do you get to get up and get outside and be in that type of situation outside of hunting, you know? And it's just something a lot of people probably don't get to feel or be a part of most of their life because it's like, when is that – anyone's like routine you know so speaking so. of routine and what people don't get to realize or feel in their life mendez what do you feel like when you see hendo do that on the knees on the ground uppercut under the right <laughs> armpit of fedor emilianaco emilianaco is that Emilianaco? emilianaco when you see that punch they're on their knees Dude. and he swings from up under his armpit with his right and hits him perfectly on the jaw and knocks fedor who's a legend right he's one of the best of all time um, have you guys ever heard that joke? I don't remember who said it, but they said when Fedor walks out, he looks like he's in a museum because he'd just be like, look, he look, have you ever seen Fedor <laughs> no, walk out? He looks like I've that. Never paid attention to <laughs> have you ever seen him walk look. out? He looks like he's in a museum just looking at pictures and shit, <laughs> but Hendo knocks him out from his knees. Yeah. He's one of the toughest guys in the world. He's like the Ivan Drago of MMA, right? Rocky four. Yeah. Like that's what you're training against. What do you think about when you see something like that, Mendez? Like, do you I want that? I mean, oh, hell yeah. But I think what I'm more impressed about is the fact that it was uh, a, basically a reversal into a scramble with an uppercut punch knockout in the mix of all of that. It's not like he got on him and held him for a second and just threw one. It was like it all happened so fast. Like I'm on the bottom. Now I'm on top and you're knocked out. Situational <laughs> awareness. I remember watching deep. that fight. And I was actually nervous for Dan. Were you there just, that night? Um, Everybody that I know yeah, I don't was, know if I was nervous there, but. for me, except for me. <laughs> yeah. You were nervous. Not at all. I mean, I was calm and just. What, what's the, he's a lot bigger than you, right? He was 25-ish pounds. He was actually lighter than he normally was. Yeah, my weight is a lot. Yeah. He's a big guy. I had gained a little. How respectful was he, though, Hando? Was he, 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 he doesn't just, say much anyway, and he's mm -hmm. never disrespectful. He's not overly Which makes talkative, him, but, mm -hmm. you know, I've always liked him. I always, Back in the pride days, his brother had fought a few times. And when he, you know, I, I was better friends with his brother than him or mm -hmm. talked to his brother a lot more. His brother was a lot more talkative. And, and I, I knew knew a lot better then than I do now, but I spoke Russian pretty well. So it, you spoke Russian? And I would... I would really? always, I didn't know that. In the locker off. rooms, <laughs> tell us more. You must be in Russian. the locker rooms. We'd all, you know, they'd always bring vodka, so we'd be doing shots of vodka. Back there. <laughs> nice. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh man, I didn't um, know. You, can you really speak Russian? I used to. I can't remember. Anything. Really? I mean, I remember something back in the wrestling days. I, I, I've mm -hmm. been to Russia maybe twenty-five times. Wow. My longest trip there was about six months. 
Oh, so you had, to, you had to learn four it. months. Sorry, my average trip was probably three weeks. Wow, all for wrestling. Yeah, and uh, and then I took a year of of Russian in school. That's pretty cool. After that, learned when, something new about you today. Being Dan. the yeah, fighter that you are, Dan, and the fight fan that you are, when you see a fight like Chad when he fought Connor. Or Chad, when his fight with Jose Aldo got fight of the year, you're bigger. I thought he won. You're bigger. <laughs> you're Greco-Roman cool. Olympian. Chad's a world-class collegiate wrestler with hands. Um, <laughs> Don't worry about that. What do you What do you think of the the? I don't know if you call it the smaller class Hendo or the lighter weights or. But when you see somebody like Mendez put together what he did in that first round against McGregor, stepping in on 10 to 12 days notice, I don't know the exact amount of hours, but it was not a very long Ten camp, days. 10 days, or the Jose Aldo fight. Do you get excited for the little guys when they're doing that? Because, like, I'm I'm 50 pounds heavier well, than Chad I mean, Mendez. I, he knocks me out in, in under I, a minute. I always got excited to watch Chad fight. and Before you knew him? Yeah, I mean, I before I met him, we had mutual friends that would, you know, would talk about being with them and stuff. But I don't think I ever personally met him. But I was always a thank you a fan, and obviously, even even without any of any mutual friends, because he was from the wrestling world. I'm always, I'm always rooting for the wrestlers in MMA. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he, yeah, I'd always try to watch his fights. So. When you see, and I would get excited to watch certain guys after watching him fight a couple times. I enjoyed watching him fight. So were you watching Mendez in the WEC days? Before no. that, you weren't. No. So you just knew him as a UFC guy. Yeah. So did he? When did he come on the map and hit Dan Henderson's eyes? Was it the McGregor night? No, it was way before that. A couple of years before that, probably. So he, you, what did you like about his style when you would get fired up? Even, whether you had, regardless of whether you had mutual well, friends or not. I mean, I, I went through the process early on in my career. And, and back then, there was no no coaches, no MMA coaches. Mm. There was boxing coaches. There was kickboxing coaches, wrestling coaches, and jiu-jitsu coaches. But there was no MMA coaches back. Nobody knew anything when the, when the fir first sport started happening. It, it was so far back when I started that I kind of had to learn – what would work and what didn't as a wrestler. And, you know, for me to, I went through that process of, of figuring it out and, and figuring out how to, how to be exciting and finish guys. Wrestling doesn't finish a fight mm. at all. It controls guys, controls, yeah. <clears throat> but it doesn't finish fights. You either got to be really good at submissions or, or knocking the guy out. And, you know, I, I kind of gravitated towards, striking part of that because i hit hard and and uh it took me a while to figure out how to put it all together and and watching some of these guys like uriah faber also mm -hmm. I, I remember being at one of his fight, fights when he was fighting locally in fresno i think and uh i think randy and i were both there and and, and after the fight i was like dude you gotta really start stepping up just well, getting well, in there and, and striking and and uh you know, and he did. I mean, he, mm -hmm. he, it just, it's always good and fun for me to look at that process as a wrestler, other wrestlers trying to put together the striking. Mm -hmm. And some never do. No. Huh? Or some take 
five years to do it, and, and they're not very exciting along that way until, until me, they give start. Me, give me three more real quick off the top of your head, and I know that I'm putting you on the wrestlers? spot. Give me three more wrestlers that put that striking together. Well, because I'm thinking of Johnny I will, I Hendricks. I don't know if he did. Hendricks? I thought his did Johnny really put good. Together? Johnny did. Koscheck well. had good striking. I was going to say Koscheck, but Koscheck – uh, and and sometimes they forget that they're wrestlers, mm -hmm, which is a mm -hmm. bad thing too. Yeah. And that that's what cost Kotchik, I think, at the end, mm -hmm. where he was good, but he would get caught because that's all he would do, and he wouldn't take advantage of the fact that he's a much better wrestler than these guys. Because he was Oklahoma State, like four. Was he o OSU? Yeah, Oklahoma State. Was he a champion? Wait, Kotchik? Sorry, yeah. I thought. Or was Penn name. State. Oh, man. I don't know where he went to school. He was, I don't think he was at Oklahoma State. I was thinking of Hendricks. See, if we were Joe Rogan, we would have somebody fact check us right now. And just be a da, 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 da. Hey, Ty, can you please check out yeah, Josh Koscheck? Yeah. How do you spell his name? Is it Cross or Kosh? Koscheck. K-O-S-C-H-E-C-K. It'll pop up if you just... Josh Koscheck Wrestling. College. Um, okay. Where did he wrestle in college? Okay, so you got Koscheck and Johnny Hendricks were the first two that came to my mind mm -hmm. of wrestlers that were badasses. Yep. Well, I mean... I wouldn't call yeah. Chuck Liddell a badass wrestler, but yeah. he did wrestle in he college. He was a wrestler. But he he was came more, from wrestling. He came from, I think, it's, from from. I never saw him take anybody down. Striking true, before yeah. wrestling. That's true. Or maybe both, but I mean, he, he never used. In he wrestled. He used his wrestling to stand his feet. Did he ever take anybody down in MMA? Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. I, think yeah. I don't remember him taking anybody down. I'm sure. He I think did, he took. Yeah. I think he took Vanderlei down a couple times when they fought in the UFC. He did, huh? I'm pretty I just sure. remember strikes against him and Baba Lou. He was just hitting him with that right. Was Couture? I mean, he he had and Randy. Randy was. I was going to say another one that he was my main training partner. Yeah, Randy, it's got to be up there. Or the first yeah. half of my career, and, and we kind of had to learn it. We learned it together at the same time. We he'd figure something out and show me, and I'd figure shit out and show him, and yeah. you know we. We trained together quite a bit. We had trained together for five years in wrestling, and Greco just before we started fighting hmm. so josh koscheck was a division one champion at 174 pounds in his junior year and was an all-american all four years what at elder Ed edinburgh yeah, university of pennsylvania okay. what all Wait, four years D that's d1 yeah he was a d1 he was champion a champ and an All-American all four years. I mean, maybe I didn't and, know and that's that. my point. Yeah. He was a really God. good wrestler. Compared, you should have stuck uh -huh. that to a little bit more. I mean, and and at, early on in the UFC, all he would do is take people down mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, like yeah, any yeah. wrestler trying to figure it out. But then he figured out he strike gets one or two knockouts that head kick knockout, and mm -hmm. then got away from you know, and then all of a sudden he didn't. And and I get it. It's a lot more yeah. fun to knock somebody out than it is to take them down and hump so them. So much. So much easier too. Yeah, and, <laughs> and but you gotta never forget that you yeah, know how to uh -huh. wrestle. To to wrestling opens up so much more striking. Was John Jones wrestler in college? Yeah, he wrestled. Yeah. So he's got to be. I mean, he's not a huge striker, but he's he's I mean, a he's, big time striker. I mean, well now he is. And he's a now he is. I'm just saying. Yeah. He, uh, did he, he didn't come know, from striking. He didn't come from yeah, striking. No, yeah. striking the worst MMA career of all time, <laughs> in my opinion. Like literally ruined his career. Probably it's didn't to need say. to do the 
the P the the PEDs. No. He got in a lot of oh, trouble. Like, yeah, I think that ruined his his legacy hundred yeah. percent. I mean, like, my, I, oh. I don't even want to watch him fight anymore because it's just like, wow, he's incredible. And then the next morning, you're like, holy yeah, shit! It what again. is it? Three yeah. or four chances now? <laughs> yeah. I can't say anything because I've Chad. I don't want to get off on. The, I don't want to get off on a road of John Jones being undisciplined because I'm sure that he's. I, I sat in a no, hot tub yeah. in San Diego on the. I was doing a, an event called a. Um, hunt fish feed we were feeding the homeless in san diego i did like seven cities that year and san diego is one of them and ufc happened to be there that night and i met john jones he was staying at the same hotel and he was cooler than heck don't want to get off that track i'm just saying that i don't know the man that well the one time i met him i met him twice actually i met him on the card that scotty jorgensen fought uriah faber for the the ultimate fighter after the show um i was at the i was in vegas for that fight he's always been a good dude but he just seems a little bit undisciplined. Speaking of discipline, when those geese come in and they're in there in like <laughs> 2,000 at a time, right? Uh -huh. 3,000, 300, I don't even know how many there were. There was a lot. I get so excited. Lots of thousands. I get so excited when I talk about fighting and geese. I think Belding was a little too disciplined. Wasn't calling the shots early enough. That is true. Was too I, I do get pretty disciplined. Let's, go, a lot of people let's let him go one more time. I'm like, they're 10 yards above us. <laughs> okay, so like, I, I admit I'm bad at that, but... And I love I, I I have a, I just want to pre preface this by saying I have a huge respect for John Jones. I'm not saying I could kick his uh, he would kill me in a fight. I think he's a great fighter. I just don't agree with a lot of the shit he's done. But when it comes to discipline, do you flock shoot into a, a, a flock like that, Chad? Be honest, because when you're shooting at turkeys, you got one target. When you're shooting at a deer or an elk or a sheep, you have one target. When you have a multitude of targets right in Dude, front of you, tough. the number one thing that somebody like Tom Knapp, who was a, a legendary shotgun shooter, said was you have to pick out your target and mm -hmm. shoot at that target. There could be 300 targets in front of you mm -hmm. at 15 to 30 yards. I want both of you to reflect on that a minute. Here's what happens do you, to me. Do you discipline yourself to stay on target? Here's what happens to me, and I noticed it multiple times on this last goose hunt. Obviously, we're all watching the same, like, kind of leading group, group that's coming in. And I always would be like, because I remember you saying this the last time we hunted, and I would see one. I'm like, all right, that's the one. I'm just going to wait. And I'm watching it. And as soon as I hear you would, you know, say go, I'd sit up he and I pull my gun up and it's already dead. And I'm like, <laughs> well, now I'm screwed because I already like starting to leave. And I'm like, ah, like panic mode, just picking and shooting. So, I mean, I try not to flock shoot, but it's hard. it is very hard when there's that many in front of you. You're like, especially that panic mode, right? How can I miss? Yeah, exactly. How but you do. <laughs> All the time. especially mm -hmm. when he doesn't call the shot till they're five yards yeah because you're you're yeah. like wanting to go up and then you're like oh he's mm -hmm. not going to call it and then when he calls you, you're like what the hell why are you calling my abs are <laughs> tired from sitting up half there was multiple <laughs> times where the first bird that was going to shoot dropped and then i'd move to a second one and that one would drop there was actually one time i remember very I was, clearly I, was I didn't even get to shoot <laughs> i was all, right all three too. birds that i like was getting ready to shoot it dropped and by that time, they were too far, and I just put my gun down. <laughs> I was right next right. to you. Sorry. Yeah, was that you? <laughs> so maybe Mendez, when you start thinking about the preparation for an experience like that, waking up, the gear, 
And let's let's just take it, you know, like you you archery hunt. You got your bow. Mm-hmm. You got your face paint. You got your your in, you got your base layer. You got your insulation. You got you your. You could have shot one of them geese with a bow. You could. They were that, they close. Were that close. Yeah. <laughs> when Especially you start when thinking landing. of the preparation for a hunt, the visualiz- visualization is a huge part of anything in life. Mm-hmm. Ted Williams in the Science of Hitting, Chapter Four, I believe, was visualization. If you're not visualizing what that pitcher is going to throw you, and you're not like, all right, if he throws a slider on the inner half, I'm going to hit it here. If he does this on the mm-hmm. outer half, I'm going to let the ball get deep. As a fighter, you got to visualize. If Bisbing does this, I'm coming with the H-bomb. If he does this, I'm doing this. <laughs> if Aldo does this, I'm, if McGregor does that, mm-hmm. you got to visualize that the night before. You visualize on a hunt. You're getting ready. Talk to me a little bit, Mendez, about the similarities of your preparation for hunting snow geese, which isn't a fight, it's not a war. I don't yeah, want to dramatize hunting. It's fun, yeah, no. and it's about the brotherhood and the camaraderie, the sisterhood, being out there with whoever you are. And then the night before a fight or the or the walkout, we get out of those trucks and we're driving out in the UTVs, and you're like, "Oh man, this is go time." Mm-hmm. Is there any similarities? Is it way? Is there anything that compares at all with the adrenaline rush of the preparation part of a hunt compared to a fight? Oh, 100 percent. This is something that I get asked probably more than anything. Uh, when I do any type of interviews or sit down for podcasts, I think the, there's tons of similarities between fighting and preparation and game planning. And that's, that's for fighting and hunting, whether I'm going to chase a big bugle on both my, my bow or geese, like you're talking about. I mean, you, you, a fight, you get your opponent, you watch tape, you study, you game plan on their strengths, their weaknesses, and you develop that, you practice with your weapon and night before, especially me and like, just like you're saying, I'm visualizing like the night before a hunt, like I know I'm gonna go out and chase a big bugle and bull. I've been practicing with my weapon. I've been and scouting, and, scouting and, and trying to game plan like, okay, I've been seeing them doing this a lot of the times, there's a good chance they're gonna do this. I think if I sit here, I might have a chance they come by me or whatever it is, you know, but same thing with the fight. You're, you're getting ready for that opponent. You're getting ready for that animal practicing, practicing with my weapon. Um, and the adrenaline, I mean, you can, you have to learn to control that, um, that excitement, that adrenaline dump. You go out there and you're, you know, basically blowing your wad on your excitement for a fight. You're going to go in that first round. You're going to, you're going to crash. You know, if you go out there and you have a big bull walking 20 yards and you're so wound up, chances are you're probably going to miss, you know? And so there's so many things that are like identical as far as the fight game and hunting. And do you think that's part of that draws you to it? I think so. Um, I mean, obviously I, I enjoy eating wild game. I think that's probably for me, like feeding my, my wife's like very particular on what type of meat she eats. Doesn't like really eating store-bought stuff. Um, she'll eat all the stuff that I hunt. She even hunts herself. So, and that, that means a lot to me. And obviously I enjoy eating. I I've seen the health benefits. I've seen how I feel during my training camps, eating a lot of really bad stuff compared to lean organic wild game stuff. And I can tell in my training, um, even in fights when that stuff's off. So, um, you know, it means a lot to me being able to eat that stuff, but yeah, I think there's a ton that still draws me to, that same feeling that I get when, when I'm walking out to the octagon and all the preparation that goes into it, that a lot of that stuff that people that don't hunt don't really think about. Um, and that that's what means so much to me, I think, with both hunting and fighting. 
Hendo, when you think about what Mendez just said and what I asked him. Well, the only difference would be between the fighting and, and the visualizing of, of fighting and visualizing of hunting is, is he's visualizing the hunt after two or three cocktails for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Hendo, do you think that, I don't want to say do you think that, but talk to me a little bit about game plan and how easy is it? Because when I go into a hunt, I have a game plan. Like I, I know where the birds were in the field. I know where the birds were on the water. I know what the coyotes are doing as far as like, we know the lay of the land. Like we know that there's hills here. We know there's trees here. We know that there's rim rocks here. We know that we have an idea of the wind. We understand that they're going to go downwind and sniff us out, whatever it is. I have an mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. My main goal is not to get away from my game plan. How easy, Hendo, is it as a fighter to get away from his game plan? And would you consider yourself good at sticking with your game plan as a whole throughout the, con the consistency of your career? Because I, as soon as you get hit, you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> I got to do something, right? Like, how, how important is it to stick to your game plan? Uh, well, obviously, game planning is definitely important no matter what you do in life, not just hunting and fighting. But yeah, I think sticking to your game plan is it's it's not hard to do, but it's it it's it goes back to being disciplined. You kinda gotta one have a good corner that corner that that will tweak your game plan or, or, or make adjustments in the middle of a fight. You know, or tell you that you need to get back to doing certain things that you were doing at the beginning that we're working as part of your game plan. But you know, most of most of the time when I fought, I'd come up with a good game plan, and the game plan is more of a, a guide to kind of put you doing certain things, focusing on certain things, not focusing on things that he was good at, but more to where you can control the fight and and hopefully finish him in the fight and and. Having that as a game plan, if, if, if it's not working the way it's it goes, typically you kind of just adjust or, or react to certain things that you're not expecting. You're going to react to them. And, and that's where experience and, and the amount of practice that you've done with certain different positions are going to come into effect. So game plan is it's huge, especially at the beginning of a fight, but halfway through the fight you've you've made adjustments once you're you've had a few minutes with them or, or 10 minutes with the, your opponent you kind of can make those adjustments to to know that certain things aren't working that i thought would work or or vice versa and, and or you stick with you know you can make adjustments on your own or you have your corner need to tell you hey that's not working you need to do this you know there's been a couple fights where i've had a game plan to to go in and do certain things the first couple of rounds. And once he's worn out a little bit, then I'm going to stand there and bang with him. And like when I fought Vitor, I was going to wear Vitor out the first couple of rounds, get him to break and then stand up and just beat him up the, the last <laughs> round. And my, you know, my, I was, I was in the cycle of just taking him down, beating him up the whole, and I never kind of remembered to do the last part of it. And, and that's where I kind of was going to, my, my corner didn't didn't remind me to hey we're gonna you just beat, beat him down enough yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> they were too excited yeah i mean that's one fight that sticks out as far as the game plan uh of it and and it was very effective to to do that in the fight but How i, many I wanted to finish him so has there been a fight that 
you, I imagine probably every camp, kind of go back to that reverse psychology. How many times in camp where you would study your opponent and say, okay, he's weak on the left uppercut or the sweep or whatever it is, but obviously he's watching you at the same time, right? So how many times would you come up with something new that you might have never done before in a previous fight that would work against him? You know what I'm saying? Trying to know where I'm getting at. How many, how many times would you throw something in new that you've never done before or never worked on before that you that your coaches would say this would really work against this guy? I, for me, it wasn't even so much what my coaches would say. I, sometimes during camp, like knowing a guy's strength and weaknesses. Um, and here's a, a good example that I fought Hani Yaya, who is a master on the ground. Yeah. Um, but I knew he loved to play guard. And he was really good at keeping guys in his guard and then working his magic as far as throwing submissions up. And so I never wanted to really be in his guard too much. But I'm like, how could I, how could I pass this dude's guard and try to take his back or do something that benefits me without like getting in there and like getting caught in submissions? And I think it was like the week or maybe two weeks before I was supposed to leave to the fight. And me, Joseph Benavidez, and TJ Dillashaw were sitting there kind of just drilling. It was a lighter session, and we're kind of game planning and just going over some stuff. And I was like, how crazy would it be if I just stood over this dude and did a front flip over his guard? And they're like, uh, it sounds cool, but I don't think – I just don't <laughs> think it happened. I said, watch this. And so I actually did it on TJ. and Or maybe it was Joe. Actually, I did it on Joe, and TJ was standing there. And we were just like, holy crap. <laughs> you got to try that in a fight. And so, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of dangerous, but I felt like my scrambling just from wrestling was good enough that if I got in a weird spot, I could scramble out of it. And I ended up doing it in the fight. I actually did it in two different fights. I did it with him and Javier Vasquez, where I did a front flip over and passed their guard. And Hani I actually passed his guard and took his back off of it. So it actually worked really well. But that was one of those times where it was like, one of those things that nobody's really done yeah. and i was just like how cool would it be if i could do this <laughs> like, screw it let's try it um another one was when i fought aldo slipping the jab like i'm when he throws a jab i'm i'm slipping but dropping low to where he thinks i'm shooting which brings his hand down and i came up with that big uppercut yeah. and that was something i kind of worked on a bit through that camp and just felt that it was going to work and we got out there i could see his jab a lot of the times and especially towards the end of the fight when he slowed down a bit and we just let her rip. So I don't know. I would through training camps, see guys kind of where I thought that, you know, their weaknesses or whatever and thought maybe, okay, we could try this. But what about you, Dan? Well, I mean, everybody kind of has their tendencies of what they're good at, what they're not good at, or what they typically do a lot more mm -hmm. of, whether they're good at it or not. Um, so, I mean, every opponent does something a little bit different. I think later on in my career, there, there wasn't that big of drastic changes that, you know, everybody was kind of similar in, in styles, you know, towards the end of my career. But, you know, towards the, the beginning and the, the middle of my career, there was a drastic change. Like certain guys are really good at certain things and not very good at other things. So you can really focus on trying to make the fight go to where they're not good and where you're a lot better than them. You know, if, so would you say the talent? I don't, I don't know. Say talent because obviously you guys. It are just talent. got more well-rounded. I was just going to say. Mm -hmm. So the more rounded athlete is. Sure. It's better nowadays yeah. than it was. Oh, back for sure. Then. I mean, there wasn't. Yeah. 
that many well-rounded fighters the first part of my career. The middle there were, but, you know, as it came on, everybody was really well-rounded, but they weren't great at any one thing. That's the difference between the last third of my career as, to, as the first first part in the middle. I mean, there was some guys that were really great at certain things, and and that's what you did not want to hmm. do. So it was a lot more important then than probably it is now since guys are really well-rounded. They might be good at certain things, but not, not very many of them are great at something. And when, when they made those fights back when you started, you know, in your early career, you were a wrestler, you were a wrestler. Yeah. You, know, you were probably more towards the more rounded people when you started your career, right? A little bit. Well, they were getting but he was to that point. You were great at wrestling, but I was saying, was it always based on ranking of who you fought, or was it early on? Was it you? You want to see a wrestler and a stand-up guy? How does that? Well, fight? Pride, just Pride to... never gave a shit about ranking. This, they gave a shit about what the fans would think would be the best that's, matchup. That's, that's why they were known for matching up little guys against big Again, guys, especially. Yeah. From a Japanese culture standpoint, most of them are, are smaller people, and the smaller people love to see the small guy beat Understood. the big guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's why I became pretty popular because I I did fight a lot of bigger guys and did well over there. Yeah, cool. um, so, yeah, and, and to answer your question, it's you know when certain guys were really good at certain things that that you needed to get better at to defend. That's when I learned the most. If if certain guys were different, like when I fought Paul Harris, he was really great at ankle locks and ripped people's knees off. <laughs> and I got great at defending and doing <laughs> leg locks because that's all I did the whole camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so when you think about what you're talking about, Hendo, of some guys were good at this, some guys were good at that. You wanted to get better at this because you weren't that good at this. You wanted to improve on this during camp. At this point in your hunting career – what has stood out that you want to excel at? What do you want to get better at? You've deer hunted with a bow. You've deer hunted with a rifle. I don't know if you've muzzle loaded hunted. You've waterfowl hunted. You've you've turkey hunted. What do you love about it, and what do you want to get better at so far? Well, I mean, I I don't know about Chad Mendez, but for me, hunting is more of a a fun experience thing for me. It's not like fighting was my job mm-hmm. and I had goals to where I, I wanted to achieve certain things and I was a lot more serious about it. Not that I'm not serious about hunting, but hunting is more of a release for me to go out and, and experience cool and different things that, that are fun for me to be outside. And, and yeah, I do get a big adrenaline rush off of, you know, when I'm in that moment of, of being able to, to take an animal, I, you know, I, I think that there's certain, certain hunts that, that get me going a lot better than others, but I still have, I guess when I do say I have goals, it's, it's to go to try different hunts that I haven't done before, um, that I know would probably be pretty exhilarating. I want to get a brown bear with a bow. Really? That, that would yeah. get wow. You, get you <laughs> go right to the top. Yeah, just straight I did, to, I did go straight I did, up there. Yeah, snow goes to a brown, brown bear, bear with a bow. I did go brown hunting with a bow before and got within 30 yards of, oh. of a few of them mm-hmm. as they're walking by and, and didn't, 
I, you know, they were wanting to get me a little bit bigger one. They were eight, eight and a half feet. They wanted me to get more of like a 10 footer. So I didn't shoot one. <laughs> well, that's a good Snow way to goose to a brown off. bear with a bow. <laughs> so, I mean, but oh, that's a hard pass for me. It's just one of those, those, I don't have goals in hunting to where I'm, I'm focused on different things as far as making myself better at it. I would like to, the next time we go hunting, try learning how to start calling for ducks and geese. Like, that's I've been cool. three or four four times now with you, I think, and and haven't even tried it. Although last time I think I was doing duck calls with the Aflac. Aflac. He was. The whole time. He was. Aflac. <laughs> Anytime ducks would come in and turn to go the other way, he'd be like, Aflac. No, I think it was geese. It was geese, so right? <laughs> oh, man. So, but, That's cool. You want to learn. But I do want to learn how to call. I, I'm, I'm, I know I can call Chad. an elk in pretty good. Chad just taught me some stuff. Oh, yeah. Two call. or three nights, yeah. You, you calling and vocalization is kind of like. I look at what you guys do, like so you're playing the fight action. game. Yeah, there's a hunt game, right? Yeah. There's the game and everything. I, I think that it, it's almost like this. You, I've hunt with a lot of soldiers. Hendo, I know you've done a lot of military events, giving back to our veterans and our active military our wounded military men does same thing. Clay has been on a lot of these with myself. You always look at them like, do you ever look down at somebody that didn't serve? Do you ever look down at somebody that didn't go over to Afghanistan or Iraq and go to war? I mean, think about that. These guys are going over there and they're fighting. They're, they're, they're going out there and they are putting their lives on the line. No, I don't do that. And I've never had one of them say, Oh yeah, we look down on you. They're always like, no, this is what we were put on earth to do. This is what you guys were put on earth to do. This is what we were put yeah. on. I look at hunting as the same way, Dan. I'm not trying to interrupt you, but it's like, it's so like exhilarating to know that there's different levels of the games, right? It's like, mm -hmm. there's those guys that serve our country. They come over here and they get in the duck blind with us. And they're just like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. And I'm mm -hmm. sitting there going, really? Yeah. Like you're thanking me for taking you on a duck hunt when you just came back from Iraq yeah. or Afghanistan. Yeah. And then Hendo's sitting there going, you're thanking me for fighting a guy for money when you're sitting over there fighting for right. our freedoms. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. there's different levels of all these games The the, the whole thing. And of the guy could just punch me and, and the guy could shoot you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it it's like, how do you do all, feel bad? How do you put it in perspective of what we sometimes do? Sometimes that I didn't serve, but I mean, I, do too. I was focused on, what I was focused on getting better and at at that time when I was younger wrestling and then it turned into fighting. I, it just never stopped. And until I was 46 years old, it was a little too late to enlist then. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like Chad's saying though, it, I, I would, I would want to serve just because I respect them so much, but I don't think I could do it. It's just not in me. Like if it was more in you, I think you probably would like well, like, I couldn't, like Pat Tillman, right? No, I think He's I playing football. Been pretty good at it. You not saying you wouldn't. Have I been couldn't good fight at it, though. But I couldn't. I'm saying like Pat Tillman, right? Yeah. He's in an NFL career. Four years into it, he stops and goes, "Do it." He has that even right. more will and want than we are saying yeah, we just have the desire. To the do desire. It. I I, I just they don't, love it. They, when they're not yeah, there, it's they a complete want to be there. love. That blows my mind. Yeah. And they That's they come back after nine mm -hmm. tours and they're hurt and they're injured and shot and no, one leg sure. I mean, and all they want to do is go back. Mm -hmm. But back to the hunt. <laughs> yeah. Not to disrespect our military at all, Hendo, but you touched on that is that there's all these different levels of the game. I'm a wrestler. I got to learn how to throw. I got to learn how to defend the clinch. 
I gotta learn an arm bar. I gotta learn a clint. I gotta learn all of this stuff to choke you out, to be an MMA fighter, mm -hmm. to be a world champion. You held belts in multiple organizations. Mendez, you were a, a wrestler that learned to throw bombs. You learned to be able to, what you just described as front flip over a clinch. <laughs> in, in hunting, you're doing the same thing. You're like, okay, I went on the sporting clays course, five stand course. I learned how to shoot a shotgun. I can hit a target, but when my adrenaline comes up, can I hit mm -hmm. the ducks and the geese coming in? Will I not flock shot? Now I want to learn how to call. Now I want to learn the decoy spread. Now I want to go get a dog. Yeah. I got Charlie Blackman, who's a he is a badass baseball player, starting right fielder for the Colorado Rockies All-Star. Every year he's an all-star, one of the best hitters in the game. He is on a different level of happiness right now because he has a new black lab puppy. He's like, I just added this to my game, right? My arsenal. Yeah. Like, there's so many different levels of the game. It's like when does it stop? It doesn't. How does somebody like go, you know what? My I'm wife good. will tell you that. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Better doesn't. rifle. It doesn't stop. Better decoys. No. Better. <laughs> and it's especially now starting fins and feathers and going from the athletic side of it and being a wrestler to a fighter my whole life and then starting fins and feathers. I think I'm, I'm for sure 100% gone from home more now than I've ever been in my whole life <laughs> traveling on all these different hunts and you know, doing stuff like this and, you know, it's, you know, I, I'm gone a lot and I hear, I hear it, but to get it, you know, but it's, this is what we live for, man. This is my dream. Like I've worked hard my entire life to get to where I'm at now. And I feel so blessed to be able to call this my job. Like I'm making money, money doing what I absolutely love. I'm going out, I'm hunting, providing food for my family, starting brands like the provider with you. Like, this is just like a dream come true for me. So, you know, it, it all comes full circle. You know, we, we work hard in the beginning to get to that end goal. And, you know, it's to me, like I said, it's, it's just been a true blessing. I have a question for you. Yeah, what's that? When uh, when are you fighting next? <laughs> <laughs> you got retired two years ago. But I, I might know. fight tonight if Chad pops well, off a couple you, more. That times. would be the worst move you? of your life. He's how, 35. How young are you, I should say? 35. He's 35. About to be 36 May 1st. I fought till I was 46, so you got plenty of time. You're a lot tougher than me, Dan. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, man. I Just you were also maybe more I'm stubborn. Gonna, I'm gonna put this out there. You were also getting paid a lot more than me. <laughs> no, so for sure. <laughs> for, for sure. That's I mean if I was getting I don't, I don't blame you for yeah. for sticking up for not getting paid. I mean I probably would have been there too, but yeah. I mean you were getting you're getting paid a lot more than I was that many years into my career, probably. Yeah, I mean it just for I sure. just happened to stay in the stay fighting for twenty mm -hmm. years. <laughs> yeah, but if you beat McGregor that night, if yeah, the, things if, would be different. This, but, am I wrong to say that that fight could have got called in the first round, or am I presumptuous no, by saying that? No, no, I don't think so. He was but, good. No, he was good. But I remember watching that fight and and. Chad took him down, was was beating him up, and and I was like, yeah, 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 and then and then they got back up to their feet, and I see Chad Big go, guess. oh yeah, and I was like, oh fuck, oh, no, breathing through his mouth. I, I knew I knew that he took it on short notice, and mm -hmm. and that was the biggest question. Were you on a boat? Here's or the thing. So I fought Aldo <laughs> not that long, a few months before that, and I mean, you guys saw that fight. That was, but the you were guys move so fast. Fight, so you got to be you in know, shape. Like, yeah. Me kicking him, my tops of my feet were just, the bones were bruised. It hurt to walk. Shins from kicking him, hitting knees, hitting elbows. Like, 
all the muscles in my calves from taking kicks from him, my legs from taking kicks. I peed blood that night. Like my, I got back to my hotel room and I pissed blood. Like my kidneys were sore. Every muscle in my body after that fight for probably two weeks hurt. And my hands all hurt from hitting. And that lasted probably a month or two. And this, that was a fight, the hardest fight in my career, I, I think. Like I, I always say this, like I probably took about 10 years off my life in that fight. But I come off that fight. I'm not even in the gym. I'm like staying out of the gym, trying to let my body heal, starting fins and feathers and working on getting like the outdoor lifestyle started. Um, you know, and I, I was fishing. I was doing a lot of salmon, fi salmon fishing when I got the call from Dana. It wasn't Dana. It was my manager that called me who had spoke to Dana. And basically, hey, Aldo just injured his rib. We're 10 days out from the fight. You want to take it? And it's like, obviously, no, I don't want to take it. But how am I going to turn this down? You know, uh, I, I might I think, go out there and knock him out with one punch. I think you were in the position to have that fight regardless whether you yeah, took it then uh -huh. or within the next fight after that. Mm -hmm. They would have found somebody and, and you still would have been in line. It's true. And, it, and I think. They dangle that amount of money in front of your face, you know, though, I've, and it's like, how do you turn it, that down as long as, with yeah. the title shot? But you know? also have your legacy of like, well, I'm not in shape. That's I'm going to be gasping. I'm going to be breathing through and, my mouth. And and that the, it's a really tough thing, especially yeah. when, you mm -hmm. know, but here's, he's at the, the point where he's trying to start his own life and support yeah. family and everything else. Is the fight game different, Hendo? Hendo, yeah. is the fight game different with legacy? Let me preface it by saying... You could talk all the smack you want. You could raise all the hype you want. You could throw as many water bottles at Nate Diaz like McGregor's <laughs> done before that you want. You could you could be worth all the money in the world and get a fight with Mayweather. But when Dustin Poirier knocks you out in the second round and you go down like that, is there a difference in the fight game than other sports or other lifestyles of like, I did raise this much money. I do have a good life. I have, I'm rich. But I just got my ass kicked. I just got knocked. Like, is there a difference in the fight game? Like, your legacy is more well, important. I think, Why? I think in, in your example right now with Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor has a better legacy or better rankings over the all-time greats than he should because he, he ran his mouth so much. Yeah. Because he's more popular. If you take his exact wins and losses and records – he shouldn't be up nearly what you, what we were talking about earlier as far as the best of all time type of thing. Um, you know, even though he did have two different belts in two different at the same time in the UFC, which was a big accomplishment. I, you know, I, I think without his mouth helping him, yeah, be, gain popularity, he wouldn't have that legacy he, yet. He was I'm not good. saying he couldn't have that legacy, but. He's Belding, still young in the sport. If, if you were any any bit of a, an athlete and you could beat people up with your brain, you would be the Conor McGregor of this sport. You're talking about me specifically. Yes, your brain. Your Works brain. on a different level. Yeah. And but I, I wish I had that brain. <laughs> but Like if I had that brain with my fighting talent – well, oh, I'm the same dude, way. We'd, I mean, be, I don't, we'd be multi-billionaires. <laughs> I, I prefer not to talk shit. I prefer no, just I'm not that way either. But but if you think about like the legacy, the absolute legacy of Mike Tyson had some ex exploits where mm -hmm. he would go, 
he lost it like on the Lennox Lewis, but that was towards the end of his career. But in the beginning of Mike Tyson's career, like he would look at Bone Crusher Smith or Tony Tucker and just or Michael Spinks. If you look at the face off with Michael Spinks, he's like Kendo. He's just like his eyes are just going back and forth. Michael Spinks is dead before the fight starts. Mm -hmm. Mike Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson is the, didn't Mike, have to throw water bottles and talk shit. But Mike Tyson is the most popular fighter of all time. There's an argument with Muhammad Ali because of the politics. I get that. Mm -hmm. But when 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 a couple of years ago, when Lennox Lewis, Evander Holyfield, and Mike Tyson walked into that ring that night when they were doing the 50 all-time greats or whatever, the crowd lost its mind when they saw Mike Tyson. Uh -huh. Mike Tyson went to prison for you know what. He lost to Buster Douglas in Tokyo. He should have never lost that fight. He was. He was at 20 years old, the undisputed heavyweight. It will never be done again. At the same time, Eddie Murphy was selling out arenas with Delirious and Raw. Will never be done again, yeah. what Eddie Murphy was doing. But what Mike Tyson did in the fight game is like, oh, my God, that's unprecedented. There's a difference between legacy in the fight game and legacy in anything else that you do in life, in my opinion. is that You could talk all the smack you want and say, I'm the baddest there is, and raise all the money, get all the Irish people over in Ireland. To, but once you get bounced off the canvas by Dustin Poirier, you're like, wow, that's I'm, it's it's not what I needed. It's not what I wanted. I don't care how much money I'm worth. I will say- it's not, what, it's not about the money in the fight game, guys. It's not. You have to win that fight. You straight out, if you're gonna talk that much smack, you better back it up, is all I'm saying. You could sell as many fights as you want and raise as much pay-per-view money as you want. And I know Joe Rogan would sit here and go, that, you know, he did it. He raised uh, that much money. Conor you have to win the fight. Also backed up a lot of a lot he, of his shit talking along the way. That's I'll, true. I'll give him that. And 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 this last fight, I actually gained more respect for him as a fighter. After the fact. After watching how he, he didn't talk shit, he went out there and, and was respectful, respectful and went out there as a fighter, not as a shit talker, to go out there and face us. And after the, he, he had, he was good in loss also. And, and, you know, I, not that I like him, but I like him more now. Huh. Uh, you know, le I don't like him less. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to say that better than I don't know how to say it better than I don't. I don't uh, like it when you're laying down. Though. Do you? But Mendes, it, am I making sense at all? Like, there's a difference in fight game legacy. There is. And there I, is a fight game legacy, man. There is, and I, I see what you're saying. I I can see both sides, though. You know, I think obviously. Mendez, age 40, no. UFC champ. <laughs> Are you coming uh, back, Chad? Not happening, man. What if Dan, Dan's going to train my, you? My life is good. Come, come, down, come down and train. Comfortable I'll, I'll with money. It. I'm growing multiple brands, one of them with you building. Like, Imagine we got how some much big stuff on the horizon. I don't need to get punched anymore. But getting punched sucks. It's not fun, dude. I got punched I mean, yesterday at practice. Well, I, this guy's still <laughs> sparring. He's like, Who yeah, I still you? spar with the like, big gloves and little gloves. I'm like, Dan. Yeah, but nobody's like Hendo, man. <laughs> no, nobody's he's a special breed. You know what sure. I love about Hendo? I, I, I might not like. To, I tell this story a bunch. I didn't enjoy it yesterday. I tell <laughs> I tell this story a bunch to in private or just when I'm in my everyday life. But I was I was at. No, I was at Hard Rock one night with Hendo. We were going to Nobu Sushi. Uh -oh. And I remember uh -oh. we, uh -oh. I was we had some sponsors yeah. there, and it was going to be an unbelievable <laughs> night. That it, was uh, during the the, yes. the porno awards. Yeah, the, the porno oh. awards were at What are they called? Vegas. When, yeah, I know uh, what you're talking about. Not BMI. Uh, uh, adult video. Uh, AVNs. AVNs. Yes. Um, and you but that had nothing to do with the story. We were at the center bar at Hard Rock, which is not on the Strip. 
Vegas is a fight town. Is there a bigger fight town in the world? Back in the day, no. there was Lake Tahoe. There was New York City. No, Vegas Japan is a yeah. huge MMA mm -hmm. country. But as far as fights towns in the world. Vegas is for Vegas. the city. It's the, the best yeah. in the world. Yeah, for sure. We literally were at the center bar, Mendoz, and we had to walk 75 to 100 yards to Nobu. Within that 75 hours. Yes, it was. It literally <laughs> yeah. was like, Hendo, yeah, will you sign my napkin? Hendo, will you take a selfie? And they were all calling him champ. Champ, will you give me a picture? Champ, will you do this? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And he did not say no to, anybody. to one person. And this is during the SHOT Show, which well, Hendo's not known as a hunter. <laughs> it's known as the AVNs, which Hendo's... <laughs> he, I don't know. You might have a couple appearances in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you are an actor. You, you've been in a couple TV not. shows. But that's yeah. what I love about Hendo, and that's what I love about you, Mendez, because just since you've gotten to Reno, people are like, oh, my God, I need my picture. I literally just got a text from Clay's ex-wife. Um, How long is he going to be in town? Sorry, yeah, <laughs> We need to come meet Hendo because they already came over two days ago and got your autograph yeah, and your picture. Uh, now they want to meet Hendo, but... I think that's so cool that you guys have developed this legacy in this career. And I I started this off tonight about Hendo having what that guy said is arguably the number one. I don't know how many hundreds of MMA fights or thousands there have been, but it seems like there's one every other day now at the UFC yeah. with the way it is now. Hendo's, they say that Hendo's got the number one of all time. You've won fight of the year, Mendez, with Aldo. He's got the number one with Shogun Hu of all time. He's got the fight. number one knockout of all time against Bisbing Part One, and he should have won Bisbing Part Two. I've seen some good knockouts. Though. Uh, there's great. I, don't get me wrong. There's it's hearsay, right? There's a bunch of them, but I think it we're, was just who it is. We're sitting in the room. So we're sitting in the room with the guys that have proven themselves, and I love the humility. And that's what I'm saying, Hendo. I want to end it by this with Hendo and Mendez. Clay, wait, you're wait, on this. We're team. ending this now. Oh, do you want two to end hours it? in? We're only oh, two I, hours in. I think we got another hour. Out of it. Okay, well then, <laughs> maybe bartender. <laughs> I got I to go to dinner. Chad, let's milk this. I am hungry. Mendez, if. What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Mendez, you've hunted all over the world. You've hunted all over America, North America. What are you missing? What do you want? I know you you didn't fail, but you you did not you did not counter on you. Know, you did not get the sheep that you wanted last year. What do you want the most out of this hunting career? Is it a trophy? Is it the camaraderie? Give me both answers. What do you, do you want a 400 inch bull? Do you want a 180 inch desert? Do you want a 192 inch Rocky mountain? Do you want to go kill a dollar a stone? What do you want the most out of this hunting career? Same thing I want. Dude. UFC belt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bingo. No, man, there's no, I don't think there's any one specific trophy that you're talking about that i'm like i have to go do like you got these guys that are just chasing like their slams or like you said a 400 inch bull don't get me wrong i i would be ecstatic to get any of those but i think for me especially after going on that doll sheep hunt last year dude that opened my eyes i mean obviously i've been a hunter since i was a little kid and i have always understood the adventure and the memories and the excitement that comes with each and every hunt, but spending 10 days in the backcountry of Alaska, living out of a tent, hiking almost a hundred miles in some of the like steepest, craziest terrain, looking over, I think we saw over 150 different sheep and just pushing through some of the highest of highs and the lowest of lows on, on a hunt. Like I don't want anything more than to experience that again. Like, and we didn't, I didn't even kill a sheep. 
I didn't get one. And as frustrating as it was, like day six, day seven, especially getting so close to, dude, we see a ram over there. He looks really good. Takes four hours to get close enough to get, like, actually see his age. And then hear the guide say, dude, he's only seven. And they have to be eight. You know, or he's, you know, a quarter of an inch short from being full curl. Like, my heart was broken on that hunt probably four different times. (laughs) Yeah. Four different times where I was just like, you know, seriously, be a four or five hour stock in. Wow climbing like obviously they live on the highest peaks and just to have my heart broken like i was so frustrated and so like broken down by like day eight day nine day ten you hike out we got out of there at like two or three in the morning by the time we got back to the truck it was we hiked 15 miles the last day and we get back it's almost like cutting weight where you're like the whole time you're like god i can't wait to have this when I get back, I'm going to hot shower. Sounds so nice. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to drink this, you know, and it's that same kind of that same feeling of weight cut week, you know, and you get back and I had this like overwhelming sense of it's all, I don't want to say depression, but it's like a homesick feeling. If you've ever felt that feeling, like probably the strongest feeling I've ever had. And it's like, I ten, feel like ten is a long time. I it think. is man. And, and, it's it, it becomes home almost it feels like home after a while and you come out of that and you get back into the hustle and bustle of real life and you're like around a bunch of people again and you know having to do everything that normal life is. Yeah, i don't think there's i mean there probably is a certain amount but most of the the regular people out there probably would have you know broke. just kind of quit and broke and just yeah. said let's go home after day five you yeah know? well i mean a few of our a few of our guys in our group you know, where if I would have said, let's go, we probably would have packed up and left. Like there was a couple of guys that were probably. And you're, you're saying though, that is the one hunt that you would like to. I'm doing it again this year. I'm going back and all. Doll sheep. Doll sheep. Hendo, if you had to compare days, a doll sheep to days. a fighter. Same question. I've never gone on. Same question. Sheep, who do you wish you would have fought before you you retired? Let's say you're 40 years old. 30. Well, you, you've, you've told me, Hendo. You've told me that you felt your best 38 to 41. Yeah. Who do you want the most? Well, I'm 50 now. I know, but when you were 38 to 41, <laughs> uh, who do you want the most? Is it John no, Jones? Who is it? I was that was the one fight that that I was probably the most ready for in my whole career. The best shape. And and because of who he was at the time, uh and you know the lack of respect I had for him for for various reasons how he portrayed himself as a champ. I I wanted to beat his ass, and that's <laughs> the one fight that I wish I would have had right then. And it's it's the one fight in a twenty year career I pulled out. Of. So John Jones is the doll sheep of the MMA world. Mm-hmm. That's the thesis <laughs> that's of tonight's podcast. I like it. <laughs> Write it down. Two hours to talk. So about you're gonna go be. You're gonna go get a doll sheet. That's the goal. When's that hunt? Are you gonna? I go didn't get August, offered the August. fight again. What if it comes down in bare knuckles? I would you fight get, John I, Jones bare knuckles? Was my, oh, when my knee was back, that. you would pay to see I'd it. I pay big bucks. To you, see that. Would you fight John Jones bare knuckles right now? Yeah. Yeah. In a heartbeat. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yes. You see an H bomb. All right. I said we we're gonna end it before. You but can't do those stupid kicks that that 
irritate me. <laughs> Irritational kicks. Mendez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hendo, you guys go. Rocky, Merlo, California, Snows, Specs, the entire overall feeling that day. Because we don't – I've been on a, a lot of them, but they're not every day. When you get them, you're just like, oh, my yeah. gosh, we just waxed that ass. Like, mm-hmm. that was amazing. They were yeah. so right there. What were, what what do you say? What do you think about what's your overall feeling of that hunt? Hendo, you go first. I'm going to say that was an unbelievable experience for me to, to – to be able to to do that at at that place and and just thank you to to, to you and 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 Rocky. Rocky for you know allowing that to happen. It was incredible. Wasn't it, it was it was it was definitely is a, a one of the the better memories in my life for well, sure. It's all I'm going to say is though you guys were hunting with Chad for three or four days prior mm-hmm. to me getting there, and you killed so like, and you, and you killed luck? you killed like two birds. Then I show up, and that happens. So, so you're so saying you're a good you, luck charm. You're welcome. Yeah. You want me to go on your doll sheep hunt with you? Yes. I'll stay at camp. Takes, I'll stay at go. camp. No, no, no. <laughs> you got to hike with him. Yeah. <laughs> I did six miles up to 10,000 feet on my elk hunt, but not Perfect. 100 miles. Mendez, what do you think of a hunt like that? Talk to me. You end it like this by saying what the power of the, that man. Is it the same as a UFC, Mandalay Bay, um, MGM Grand, Rio de Janeiro crowd? Talk to me about what you're feeling on a hunt like that when you got thousands of geese. In your I'll be honest, yeah. man. That's that what you just said. If you lose a fight, it's very similar. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough to beat. But the excitement, like that that night before, and just knowing that there's that many birds, that there is a possibility of that many birds coming in on top of us the next day is like it's phenomenal. You go to bed, you don't sleep much. You're so excited, but then getting in there before light. And you're sitting there as it's getting light. You can just hear everything starting to sound off behind you. Because, I mean, they weren't a couple hundred yards behind us. I mean, they were close. And that initial liftoff, I mean, I'm sure there's... You feel it. Oh, dude, it was crazy. You feel that in your chest. And it's, I mean, it's phenomenal. That's that's why we do it, right? I mean, how, like I said earlier, like how often does somebody get to see that many geese coming in above? I'm like... I mean, no. there was thousands. You could hunt Tens every day in California. You're gonna have thirty to forty days at the most yeah. if you hunt every day. Yeah, and it was phenomenal. If you that, hunt as much as you guys do, or as much as I do, and you get to see that uh, as many times, that day was special. It's, I've hunted geese with you with Rock one other time, and it was good. It was good, but it wasn't like Dude, when you threw him down to the next mud level. Yeah, no, I, I smoked him. <laughs> I would say that on it's. I would say that pretty much if I had to bet everything that I had. I could take both of you. Uh, I don't think so. In a, a shotgunning contest. <laughs> you didn't let me finish. Beer, beer shotgunning? <laughs> no, shotgunning, like no, shooting. No. Not a fight, gonna, Chad. I'm not trying to fight you. <laughs> that's Dan Hendo Henderson. That's Chad Money Mendez. That's my brother, Clay Belling. That's another episode of the Fat Life Podcast brought to you by to, Gerber Gear. We might have to do that that shotgun contest. We'll try it. It'll we'll be try. fun. It'll I'm be in. fun. Stay it's sharp, it. America. Please continue to support the partners and sponsors that support us here at all of our brands. That includes the foul life. This life ain't for everybody. The provider jargon game calls banded Avery, Avery Greenhead gear where the payment ends. We are truly humbled by all of the support that we get on all of our hunting and outdoor brands. Please continue 
to support our military. Say thank you to a first responder, a military veteran, or active duty military. We are so privileged and we are never entitled to be an outdoorsman, a hunter, a provider, a conservationist. We are not entitled to this lifestyle. We are so blessed to live it. I'm Chad Belding. Tom, Jake, hit that button. This band is called 2AM Logic from the great state of Idaho. The song is called My Foul Life. I'm getting ready to put the smack down on Chad Mendez with the help of Dan Hendo Henderson. Thank you all for joining us for another great episode of the Foul Life podcast. Life.